This is the Dan and Aaron Like Orama music. <laughs> Is that man or Astro Man? It was. Uh, it felt like man uh-oh. or Astro Man. My cat is knocking over something glass. Oh, dear um, Lord. I think it's called Pipeline. Mm. I think it's. Yeah. It's one of them. One of them, they're instrumental types. I played um, some Manor Astro Man for my girls a few days ago, and I was like, you have to understand, this is awesome because it kind of captures this retro kind of surf rock feel from the 1950s, and they just kind of looked at me like, what language are you speaking? No, <laughs> I gave up very quickly. Yeah, um, pipeline by the, the Shantays. Pipeline by the Shantays. And then the Ventures. The Ventures made it. It's probably their version that you've heard. But yeah, Pipeline. It's an instrumental surf song. I've got something I need to go listen to after this. Um... Speaking of uh, instrumental songs from that era, yeah, there was a song called Rumble. And it's one of these songs you've heard, Rumble. We've all heard it. You might not know the name of it, but it's an instrumental song, kind of surfy. And it was banned from the airwaves... Because it was indecent. Hmm. It is an instrumental. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's fantastic. <laughs> because it's called Rumble, they thought it would inspire the youths to uh, to get into gang fights and stab right. each other in the streets. Because the 50s made lots of sense. Well, they should have renamed it Civil Disagreement. I yeah. Mean, you know, just... <laughs> Tiff. Yeah. And now, the first track off of their hot album, <laughs> Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um. So the reason why I picked Pipeline, uh, I just channeled it, uh, uh-huh. is because, Aaron, what is it that you're talking about today? We are going to talk about... Something from that era. Yeah, and actually pipeline is a great term for all of this because we are going to talk about bent pipes of data going over uh, satellites in outer space. We're going to talk about... um, Essentially what I'm going to do is I'm going to give everybody a concatenated lesson in uh, SATCOM. uh, Why we have satellite communications today. Something that basically everybody kind of takes for granted yes so yeah um it reminds me of the taking it for granted reminds me of uh several years ago there was a great uh video going around the internet of fox news was talking to someone from nasa yeah talking about why nasa should be defunded and all this money we're wasting on nasa and so he, the reporter is talking to this uh, NASA guy. He goes, so so tell me, uh, why do you think that you guys should keep getting all this money? And the guy at Houston or whatever says, uh, well, first of all, let me say it's a pleasure to speak to you live via satellite. 
kind of hit just, it on the nose <laughs> and just let it sit there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. Yeah, that's the, that's the type of thing where it's like if you had a video of Mission Control at the period of time when he said that, yeah. everybody's just rolling over themselves, going, "Oh!" <laughs> yeah, cut to cut to the like Apollo landing, everyone yeah. standing up and applauding right, and cheering. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that video, and I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so early days of Satcom. Um. And the, I guess this is going to be kind of a slow, not slow, it's going to be a very abbreviated uh, SATCOM chronology. Um, so, um, World War II uh, brought about um, the use of uh, uh, signals for some very interesting, very neat stuff. Um, the, the thing that's really awesome that comes out of the 1940s and the 1950s is uh, an enhanced understanding of uh, EM radiation and exactly what you can use EM radiation for. Um, with the obvious, most uh, kind of on the forefront of everybody's knowledge base uh, uses for it being um, radar and wireless transmission of signals, AM, FM, stuff like that. Um, right, because wireless... Uh... I mean, having a radio in the living room that the family gathered around was the 30s. It became common. Right. Uh, the, the sort of right before the Depression hit right. is when people started getting them and then everyone lost all their money. No one could afford one. Yeah. Um, so as for a military function, did they have it in like World War One or? Extremely limited. I mean, not really... Yeah. At a point where it was, I mean, radio in any real solid fashion was not a thing until uh, like late 1930s. Radio to a point that you could hear voices and use it consistently. It was 1930s, 1940s. Um, and then the, um, you know. We're talking about like in the field. Yeah, right. Without exactly. having a giant antenna. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, like peer to peer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah. Analog peer to peer. This is the original radio. Um, so uh, forty one. Um, uh, you have uh, the Japanese uh, bomb Pearl Harbor, uh, December forty one. Uh, directly following that, you have the uh, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Speech uh, that goes out over radio. Um, all concurrent to this and during this period of time, uh, use of uh, radio is kind of slowly boiling up as a transmission communications medium. But then you've got folks that are starting to study what can, what else can we do with these waveforms? You know, what, what can we do with this concept of sig signals and waves? Um, one of the early initiatives that eventually kind of fell by the wayside um was Sorry, that the... sentence sounded like it should be a talking head song. <laughs> what can what? we do with the system of signals and waves? Under the rocks and snow. Sorry. Um, <laughs> water flowing underground. Um, one of the concepts that came out of the study 
of of waves and electromagnetic radiation was the concept of a defense field and the idea of like a a giant invisible barrier that could protect you by by sending out the the waves because the waves were uh you know during this period of time uh they were just beginning to develop ways to 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 measure and determine the strength of these um these wave these waves as they were being transmitted out from uh static antennas and then the other thing that they were doing is they were also experimenting with different designs of antennas as well you know what do we get if we do a curly q antenna what if we what do we do if we get a straight antenna etc stuff like that um but um the in the end um the 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 curly q antennas on the receiving end it comes out Hello, yeah, I am wondering right. how you're doing. Yep, 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 And then you look over at uh, your, your family member as it comes in and he goes, well, I know they're using a curly Q antenna. Um, <laughs> I now like the, the, uh, the accordion-style antenna that mm-hmm. went longer and shorter so that it was War new position is is fourteen degrees west and seventeen <laughs> degrees south, and then another two get right. minutes until our next transmission. We'll get to the <laughs> right, and you've got that. You've got the one unfortunate radio operator that's out there who you watch his pencil is like slowly moving, and then skitter scatter, <laughs> then slowly moving, and then skitter scatter. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Tex Avery cartoons lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say this. This feels like we're we're doing the the verbal Bob equivalent of a too. yeah of a of a, um, a Tex Avery cartoon. Um, so the defense the defense field thing didn't play out, um, but a byproduct of that research was radar. That um, uh, you, you you send out these uh, uh, very strong radio waves. And sometimes if the radio waves bounce back, they cause interference. If they bounce back in a different location, the location of the interference changes. Um, and that was essentially weaponized during World War II. Um, and that's where radar comes out of. Um, hmm. Also, the beginning of sonar, uh, World War II, uh, with, with more pronounced use uh, as you go into the 50s and into the 60s. Sonar becomes a ma- a major thing on submarines, end of World War II into the fifties. So all of this, all of this research uh, is is kind of uh, um, mixing around in 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 the U.S. Department of Defense and in the world governments as well. People are kind of collectively making cool gravy with uh, what you can do with signals, and um, around this period of time. A, uh, a young rogue by the name of Arthur C. Clarke. Yay! <laughs> Up with Clark Publishes a piece to a science magazine called Wireless World. Like, seriously, Wireless World. Um, it's, a, it's a science magazine whose uh, focused interest was basically on what can we do with these, these wireless signals that seem to uh, propagate uh, when we send them out from a radio transmitter. And Clark... I'm just imagining all sorts of garbage uh, mail-off 
uh, mail order uh, products in the back of magazines. Oh, absolutely. 50s. Absolutely. Stuff like, you X-ray know. X-ray specs yep. and fool your friends. Right. And, control this robot. Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Control the robot with your mind. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, and, and it, when you look at, um, when you look at the actual PDF, and I, I can include the PDF link in, in when we put the this, uh, pot, this episode up. Um, okay. It's a science journal, but it's an old science journal. So you could almost imagine that it would be one of those where it would feel like when you're looking at it, it may almost like you flip to the back and it'd be like a boy's life magazine where it may, you know, maybe it does have that crazy stuff in the back. Um, but the concept is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, uh, Clark says, uh, he, Clark outlines the general concept of how, um, okay, based on our current understanding of how radio and radar works, if we put... Uh, strong enough satellites at three equidistant locations around the planet and we got them moving rotating at the same speed as the planet itself in other words if we got them to orbit the planet and we we matched their speed to the speed of the earth itself as the earth rotated that we could basically paint the entire planet with these three giant beams that would be cast down from these satellites that that the the signals with a really wide dish antenna could could kind of quote unquote paint uh these the three sides of the earth as clark drew them out the three uh uh three broad swaths across the the globe and pretty much hit all of the areas of the earth that would need uh, uh, signals to arrive at them. Um, the idea and then was... Then you could finally use radar to determine how far from the Earth those satellites were. Yes. I mean, technically, is, yeah. It's the only possible use, right? Uh, yes. Absolutely. Um, so, cool. here's the... <laughs> Arthur C. Clark, the C is for idiot. <laughs> Yeah, after this, you know, Clark published this and then, uh, you know, everybody laughed and, and he was kind of driven into obscurity. Uh, we, we've never really seen Clark <laughs> after this, you know. It's a shamed, shamed author, bad science. Um, Arthur Chump Clark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he went, he uh, retired in, in Sri Lanka and just wrote uh, angry rage articles about how nobody believes him. <laughs> um, that's all it said nobody yeah. believes me yeah signed arthur c clark right right sometimes he'd write what? it in big red crayon you know depending on how uh, angry Mr. he was clark, that day i keep telling you this is a bank this is not a newspaper nobody Please believes stop. me do you stop understand stop us <laughs> i'll take my money in the form of a check uh you can give it to me in ten nobody believes me dollars um, anyway, <laughs> so um, nobody believe bucks. Yeah, nobody believe <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Please keep that in the episode. <laughs> um, so, uh, Clark's article gets published, and it actually kinda gets overlooked. Um. 
it isn't until about 10 years later the folks at Bell Labs are drumming up a concept uh, based on the idea of being able to listen to certain parts of the world with radio. radio. Um, Ex-girlfriend's houses? Exactly, exactly. To find out whether she truly decided to date Lakey Johnny or not. Um, Lakey Johnny. Ugh, with his hair. Every time, Ben. Yeah, gosh. I mean, he's he's just a ruffian. Why? Why would you date Lanky Johnny? Anyway, um... He's more than an engineer, Betty. Yeah. Um, so John <laughs> John Pierce, who is the lead engineer at Bell Labs, um, he actually, in the process of developing uh, the way forward on, on their communication satellite, uh, essentially got whiff of the Arthur C. Clarke article. And from there, he, he kind of pushed everyone. He was like, all right, well, you know, we kind of screwed the pooch here. It looks like Clarke... Got to this 10 years before us. So, uh, because he did not trademark it, because Arthur C. Clarke actually makes a big thing about this, in interviews he says, I I didn't trademark it because I I began to realize that this is going to be such an important groundbreaking thing that it should be available to the world as kind of a common good uh, uh, digestible. So, oh, so he was like the uh, the polio vaccine yeah. doctor. Fleming, right. I want to say, who I didn't th- patent it. I think you're right. Um, that sounds right. Ian Fleming. Yeah, right? Ian Fleming. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he cured polio and then he uh, moved to Cuba and uh, wrote pretty crappy books. Yes. I'm going to take that out. That's okay. There. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I for a half second there I was like, is it is it is it Albert Broccoli? Is it is it Bond? Um, but anyway, uh, Albert Rudabega. Yeah, <laughs> Horatio Rudabega. <laughs> <The third. laughs> you may know me by my name. <laughs> <laughs> you may know me by my name. <laughs> Which is very long, and I say it that way. Uh, <laughs> broccoli by name, broccoli by nature. <laughs> broccoli in person, broccoli in the sheets. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> so, all right. Um, Pierce uh, a- acknowledges, kind of, he writes a, essentially almost like a, a, you know, I'm sorry, I love your concept uh, letter to Clark. Um and the, in the correspondence, the two agree that the name for um, the the orbit that a satellite has to move through um, far enough away from the Earth and at a sufficient speed uh, to basically move one-to-one with the surface of the Earth is called the Clark Belt. Now, so, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so to this day... Any satellite. So, if you're if you're walking around, uh, um, or or I am. That's good. That's good. Cardio is good for the body. Um, and you see a satellite, and the satellite's hanging off of the side of a building or the side of a house. Uh, you'll notice that the most satellite dishes uh, do not have like weird, goofy gimbal arms under them. They're not being moved around. They're just stuck there, right? And they're just right. looking at one location in the sky. 
So the reason that they're doing that is because that satellite has been placed very carefully in a position where it's always going to be receiving data from a geostationary satellite, from a satellite that is rotating in the ex in, in, at the exact same velocity as the Earth at a orbit far enough out that it can maintain that momentum with only minimal little gentle nudges from the satellite's thrusters. But otherwise, the speed and the velocity, the orbital velocity, will keep that satellite in that location for decades. Um, and that is geostationary orbit, a.k.a. the Clark Belt. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Something I think that I... stuff is super neat. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Is geostationary and geosynchronous the same, or is there some distinction? Subtle, I, I'm not yep. sure. what. It's fine. Subtle difference. Geostationary. Uh, so the... the any of those satellites that are there in, in the Clark Belt directly around. So the Clark Belt if geostationary orbit. I point up orbit, from my house yeah. today and I'm yeah. pointing at a satellite yep. in a month, yep. if, I'm, if I'm still out there, my, my emaciated, long, dead from starvation body right. will still be pointing. Yep. That's geostationary. That's stationary geostationary. That is Relating correct. to the Earth. That's right. So what's geosynchronous? Geosynchronous is um, you've achieved that same orbital velocity, but geostationary always rotates at zero latitude. So they're all direct, they all rotate basically around exactly the, if, if you were to move out from oh. the equator, if you were to move out from the equator into space, they're all at uh, zero latitude. So all geostationary satellites have their coordinates um, solely in longitude. And, oh, weird. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just so happens that the math worked out that placing them in that location relative to the way that the Earth orbits and um, some of the little differences in terms of the, the, um, the magnetic prop properties of the Earth itself, um, that is the area where there's the, the least amount of magnetic flux combined with um, that it just works really well for the existing coordinate system. Um, you could have gone with a different orbit. Uh, they could have they could have rotated angle-wise, but there would have been a few additional issues in terms of the magnetic poles of the Earth. There would have been a few, which, which would have resulted in a little bit more engine use in order to keep those satellites in place. So uh, yeah. geostationary, directly around the equator, it works out just to be the most fuel efficient. Uh, it's it's the easiest from a math perspective. Um, yeah. So and then and then it's it also it, it minimizes the instructions that you have to provide to anyone, commercial, military, what have you, down to essentially one coordinate. Right. Um, I know for a fact, and and I know it because I I've pointed satellites for many years. That, uh, I was gonna say, yeah. tell them what you do for a living. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I'm a uh, an R, uh, antenna NRF engineer, so I, I super duper dig this stuff. Uh, but I, I know from pointing for many years that uh, Galaxy 16, which is an IntelSat satellite, uh, is located at 99 West. There's there's uh, no north to that because 
It's never going north or south. It will always be at a zero latitude. It'll only have longitude. That um, is cool. Yeah. So that's so geostationary satellites uh, sit in the Clark Belt, and they 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 send us our our direct TV. They do a lot of heavy lifting for internet, um, and uh, so to get to a point where we're we're doing what we're talking about here with the idea of you know uh, basically a a, a uh, little. Saturn belt around the planet, but it's all made out of uh, communication satellites. Uh, we got to kind of walk the dog out on um, uh, the the process of getting satellites into outer space. So we start mm. with the, the the one that everybody knows. When you talk about uh, communication satellites or, or or satellites in general, and you say, "What's an old timey satellite?" Everybody says, "Satellite of Love, exactly. Mystery Science Theater." In the not too distant future, somewhere in time or space. La oh. la la. Yeah, should I just keep going? Because I could sing the no, whole thing. No, no. Okay. Oh, all right. With the help of his robot <laughs> friends. <laughs> robot roll call. Sorry. Um, so the, the first satellite that everybody thinks of is Sputnik. Um Sputnik yeah. received no signals from the ground, and it relayed no signals between the Earth and space. So that's the important thing to remember about Sputnik. It was, essentially, a little ball with four, um, we call them monopole antennas. The, uh, essentially, were car antennas, right? Sticking out of the corners of the ball, right? There was a little tiny radio transmitter sitting inside of Sputnik whose sole purpose was just a beep, beep, beep. Right. And it emitted those beeps uh, at very low voltage uh, across those four uh, little car antennas sticking off the end of the ball of Sputnik. Um, the technology inside of Sputnik was minimal. The capabilities of Sputnik were nearly non-existent. Its sole purpose was to beep. But the implication of of that message of those beeps coming from a rocket that Russia had sent out and the little thing being shot off the end of that rocket, the implication was clear. The Russians had beat America to space. And if there's one thing that you never do is you never tell the American military that somebody did it better than they did. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, the United States is like, well, we can't let that happen, you know. <laughs> How could you? They just did that for two years. That's right. why they, that's yeah. why they kept beating us until 69. Is, yeah, they all just got you know, yeah. had yeah, to do hands, that for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. F fists on waist belts and just a lot of walking around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, they didn't like that. Americans didn't really like that. At, at the time, uh, we were still just having fun breaking the sound barrier. Um, and then uh, all of a sudden, post-Sputnik, the dollars started shifting in a major way towards, okay, well, we, we, we got to, all right, we got to put satellites in outer space and we got to put men in outer space. So I feel like going down the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo route of putting a man in outer space is a story that uh, that has been told way better, 
by uh, people with way more money than me and <laughs> from way uh, many different angles. And there's a there's um, the right stuff from the Earth to the Moon, Apollo 13, what have you. All of that covers putting a human being in outer space. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that. All I'm going to talk about is putting unmanned shit in outer space whose sole purpose <laughs> is to relay a signal from point A to point B, which is much less interesting, but the impact is much more groundbreaking. Um, so 1962, uh, let's see here. Hold on one second here. Let's let I, I do want to do a timestamp here. Uh, Sputnik uh, date. When did it happen? Sputnik is 1957. Um, yes. So beep 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 over uh, over uh, uh, Murak Air Force Base out in Utah. Uh, guys testing F-104 starfighters playing around with breaking the 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 the, uh, the sound barrier. Uh, they get they get pulled in. Listen to this beep. Beep beep. Everybody kind of looks at each other and goes, "Oh shit! I think we're doing that next." Um, right? Nice rhythm, but I can't dance to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got the one guy in the corner who's like, you know, if there was a little bit of a swing to it, you know, if it's yeah. a dotted third and an eighth note, uh, I'd enjoy Real it a little bit. Real jazzy, more. man. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Why can't you, you know, boom, shik, boom, shik, boom, shik. but yeah, to just go with straight four four. What a bunch of jerks. Um, to be yeah, fair, I, uh, I really dig that there, uh, Daddy O, uh, Sir, uh, Sir, Daddy O, Sir. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, though, you know, I mean, I think the 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 only thing that Russia had at the time was um, just Tchaikovsky off in the corner, just composing increasingly angry, you know, symphonies. You know, it's like we will win. Uh, we will win again. You know, yeah. um, and, and and he could he could never get a hand of that uh, that swing beat. Anyway. Um, Throwing some triplets there. Um, so nineteen sixty two, Telstar One is launched. Uh, Telstar One is owned by AT&T, but receives significant government funding after the government found out what AT&T was looking to do with it. Uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we can make sure a few million dollars slide in your direction. Um, mm -hmm. Telstar has rechargeable batteries, which are possible to do solar panels. It could relay television and telephone signals from the Northwest Hemisphere. Which means that mm. it could receive a signal from the Earth and transmit the signal back down to the Earth. And hey. therefore, therefore, this is one of the first one-way relay satellites. That's one of the things to keep in mind as we move cool. forward with talking about satellite communication is that satellite communication as we know it today is all about two-way. And we'll get back to that in a little bit here. But... Um, Oh, what? so you you bounce a signal off it from from New York to Detroit is one way, but then if Detroit can reply to New York, that's no. two way. 
No, it's actually no crap. No, no, no. You're right. No, hold on. I, you <laughs> no, had to, you know, no, you had to finish your you had to finish your metaphor. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm not actually. Yeah, upset. Detroit to New York, and then and then New York back to Detroit over the same satellite. That's that's two way. Yes, sir. You are correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'll I, I should have shut up and listened metal. to you. I apologize for that. Um, yeah. So um, we start with one way satellites. Hang on. They, hang on. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on. I'm uh. I'm I'm making myself a plaque to commemorate this. Hang on. Dan was technically right on this date. <laughs> Once. November 11th, 2020. Finally, November 11th will will be famous for something. I could just see you drawing the plaque over there right now. <laughs> I was technically correct for all mankind on this date. <laughs> they should make it a national holiday or something. Yeah, they should put the plaque up on the moon. Um, all right. Hey, Dan, thanks for your service. Right, right. Being right that time. That was great. Yeah, everybody simultaneously bows their head and also celebrates. I don't know how they do it, but, but yeah. it's, it's a it's a a requirement it's a fundamental tenet of dan was technically right day yeah. um, <laughs> it's built into the bylaws what the hell um <laughs> so telstar was geostationary it was one of the first satellites that was put into a geostationary orbit um and it was one way it was geostationary so if you break that down all you needed was a really big dish on the planet Earth to point up at Telstar, send your messages, and then Telstar itself had a pretty big dish on it that essentially, <laughs> if, if you know you what think, I mean, <laughs> um, that would paint uh, a broad swath of uh, the, uh, the continent uh, with its signal. And, and, um, so anybody under that beam, uh, the, uh, that, 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 that concentrated uh, EM radiation that's being sent down from that dish up in outer space could receive that signal. Um, and this kicks off all sorts of science and research and engineering and developing a better understanding of what signals are the best signals, what signals are going to work the fastest, one of the worst problems that people began to uh, experience, and this kind of parallels what um, was already known from terrestrial uh, radio, is um, what type of signals will fare well through weather, uh, what types of weather right. are going to affect these signals, how bad is the weather going to affect these signals, and can we design the math around the weather? Can we make the math stronger than the weather? which is a fight that goes on to this day. Um, and it's a, it's a really fascinating, uh, it's really wild. I'll just say as an engineer, it's really, really amazing when you look at the um, amount of work that has gone into creating uh, robust signals that will survive making their way through a rain cloud. And I'm, I'm not going to go volumes into it. I'll just say that that battle between mathematicians and waveform physicists 
and just straight up fucking nature has been ongoing ever since people discovered signals and it is not done and and i think that there may be a day in the future where uh somebody is going to come running out of a lab with a eureka moment and they're going to go if we can bend the wave like this and then we like change its polarization and we pull on it and we tweak it in this way it'll bend around the raindrops or something like that and i'm not going to go too deep on the math but i'm telling you that that day is you know maybe next decade maybe next two decades something like that but it's it's really wild because there's a lot of work that goes into outsmarting the weather i think that we just we need some einstein somewhere in some lab to go you know holy crap uh you know what if we can teach the wave to you know kind of bruce lee its way around inclement weather around the water droplets it's coming it's coming and it's going to be amazing when it does sorry i got a little bit passionate there <laughs> but but in the meantime weather is no match for math which is famously and tragically after the after the awful events of 1998 meteorologists have only used pictures of suns and rain clouds and the letters h and l on their maps they ah, just, yes yes the great weather map wars of the falklands yes i remember that they yeah. there's just so many weathermen were lost so many yeah. great weathermen were lost right yeah. in that tragic year yeah yeah it was just yeah it, you know uh, never again the turf wars between meteorologists and mathematicians to this day uh, i mean the 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 vitriol and the hyperbole uh horrible comments on facebook just mathematicians yeah. taunting meteorologists it, it, this has really got to stop i mean what about know. the barometer the, it's not weather right they, they you um, can't you can't dress for the barometer yeah philip i'm tired of telling you the, the, I'm, I'm telling you the for the, example the mathematicians and the meteorologists have to find a way to put down the slide rules and or five day forecasts and find a way to come together. Well, it's just, you can't math the weather. Yeah. I mean, we've all seen the bumper stickers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I remember when, uh, you know, that was uh, Nixon ran on that. Uh, yeah. You, know, you can't math the weather and you can't by the way, math weather. Yeah. Yeah. You can't let black people and Jews vote very much right and you can't pay attention to me as i sneak into a hotel with a bunch of covert agents in the middle of the night Just look over say? there what do you say richard i don't know i'm drunk nothing i'm not a crook <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um he was right. a drunk <laughs> and a paranoid anyway and a crook and a racist and a sexist and a misogynist and generally all around yeah. a horrible person uh patui um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Intel Sat One, nineteen sixty-five, ran 65. all the way, ran all the way to nineteen sixty-nine. So, originally launched by Comsat, um, Comsat as a commercial organization um, evolved into Intel Sat, which is now around. It's still around today. Intel Sat is one of the largest 
satellite service providers, uh, if not the largest satellite service provider uh, in, hmm. in the world. Um, I was ready for you to say that they became Intel, but mm, different. Intel I, sat. Okay. I think different, and I honestly, I don't know if there's a if there's a, a overlap there. I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I almost got a job at Intel sat, but then um, uh, the the job they were hiring me for um, said no murderers. Well, I mean, I didn't want to bring that up on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was more. Of Damn a it, human... Dan! I'll kill you too. <laughs> For Pete's sake, my clearance is on the line. No, just kidding. Um, uh, it was it was more one of those cases where um, they brought me in for what I assumed was going to be an engineering position, and it turned out to be more of a human resources position. And oh. there were there were more uh, appetizing engineering positions elsewhere. Uh, but I got to yeah. tell you, they really really wowed me. And I think they do this for anybody that's coming in. Where they're like, uh, you know, we want you to be part of our, you know, giant family. But like, I went up to their their Tyson's Corner building, and they did the interview up at the, the top floor of the building. And I swear, I, I felt like I was walking through um, uh, Don Draper's office. It was, it was, oh wow, it was swanky. It did was they, uh, super swanky. Did they, did they uh, buy you a star? <laughs> <laughs> One of the things where he could order. <laughs> oh, that that star is now the Aaron. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, over wow. The, over there, CH four three five six seven. Rename it Aaron. Yeah. No, if I, you're uh, ever in Mozambique in October, you'll be able to see it. Exactly. If you have a powerful enough lens. <laughs> All right. Uh. You got Intel Sat. Uh, Intel Sat One goes up in '65. Um, Intel Sat One is uh, still a relay, so it's only one way, one location to another on the planet Earth. Uh, this is the beginning of sending satellite uh, television signals from one location to another through the medium of a communication satellite in space. So this is essentially the genuine beginning of Satcom for relaying TV signals, which is one of the most common uses of it through today. Yeah, that's TV now. That's how yeah, you get it. Satellite TV. Um, so the uh, the government, by way of DARPA, uh, decided to enter the game themselves around 67. They had been doing a lot of private funding, but then they they finally decided, you know, we, we've got some we've got some satellites we want to put up on our own. Um, one of the ones that stands out, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do a lot of them. There, there's some neat government programs out there. I will tell you that there is a uh, a satellite that's up to, and all of this is unclassified, so it's you know no big deal. Um, there is a satellite uh, network that's up in, uh, I think it's geostationary, that's called Millstar, and Millstar's uh, sole purpose uh, was to be a nuclear hardened satellite constellation. So, in other words, if you shot a nuke at it, the satellite wouldn't die. <laughs> what? Yeah. So this the 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 satellites wow. are, are are basically built like tanks. <laughs> and, that and is also, insane. Yeah, and they also have deterrents uh, built in, laser deterrents and stuff like that. Their whole purpose is basically to survive an attack, and and their their whole purpose is to be kind of last line of defense 
uh, communication satellites if if shit goes to shit um they are they are like hardened in in all of these various and sundry military ways that i i learned enough about them and the the they're out there they're common knowledge you can you can wiki them etc steroids uh yeah exactly they're 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 jacked on steroids uh, NASA sends up steroids every week. Uh, and that's why they have such small testicles. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. They have they, a hard time breeding baby satellites. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, giant uh, swollen input receivers, very, very tiny output receivers. The solar panels on these things, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. 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 But the actual ability to uh, squirt something out, just minimal. Yeah. That's a ridiculous and yet surprisingly apt uh, uh, steroid gag right there. Um, I'm surprised and entertained and yet enjoyed uh, doling that all the way out the way that we did. (laughs) Um, Again, November 11th is uh, Thank You Dan Day. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan, for that that surprisingly apt and on-point metaphor. Um, So, the DARP, uh, uh, DARPA um, gets into the game in the late mid to late uh, '60s with uh, the Global Positioning System Satellite Network (GPS). Yeah. Almost 15 years later, in the early '80s, as we're getting GPS satellites out there, um, Reagan, uh, looking at, heard of them. Yeah, Reagan. Reagan looking at the beyond just military application of GPS, and seeing how useful GPS could be to stranded private sailors, to people lost at sea, to downed airplanes, what have you, decides to uh, decides that the use of GPS can not only be uh, declassified, the the use, the waveform, the reception of the signals, etc. Not only is it going to be declassified, but it's going to become a public trust. So it's something that the world can use. Nice. So the reason that everybody's got GPS in every one of their devices is because um, uh, Reagan in the 80s decided, you know, let's let's make sure that this is unlocked to the rest of the world. So and he could never lose his jelly beans again. Exactly. Exactly. And then he turned around and gave guns to everybody. Um, Yay. Yeah, exactly. Wait. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yay, God. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yay. Put it down. <laughs> what did you just say about giving guns to everyone? Anyway, um, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. We should all do it. Thank yeah, you. That's right. God bless America. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, you got GPS uh, in the early '80s, uh, and then. This is where I'm going to break from the individual satellites themselves, and I'm, uh, because by this point, the speed and the frequency with which both the military and the commercial industry is putting satellites into outer space just it just I don't want to say explodes because then it's going to sound like I'm like kaboom and that was the end of uh, SATCOM, but um, right, it, which it, it was, it was, and that's the reason that we communicate with written messages now. Um, <laughs> it's all cables. Yeah. Dear sir or madame. 
I write to you today because I am quite frustrated with the fact that the satellite industry literally exploded. Thank you, Hugo Barometer, Mrs. Um, I look forward to hearing from you in three weeks. Yeah, exactly. When this arrives, by donkey. Um, um, we have telegraph still. I said donkey. <laughs> donkey! Did you not hear me? All right. Um, <laughs> I can't pay for... I can't pay for telegraph. That's too much. I'll stick with donkey. Uh, <laughs> I'm all out of change. Yeah, right. <laughs> I only have enough for half a feed bag. All right, all right. We're going to stop. Um, so, uh... <laughs> So the 80s, um, I like talking about... Why they send telegrams by the pound? I don't know. I, why? You just broke my brain. What the <laughs> heck? What? I don't know why they send, why they started sending telegrams by the pound. It just doesn't make sense. Oh my god. What? I still lost. Is it? I, uh, yes, this is all true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just they took the signals from the telegrams and, and and they put it on the copper wire i'm like i was trying to figure out how to like like engineer brain and comedian brain were like <laughs> they were traveling down parallel tracks for a minute and then there was a really really bad flaming train wreck um but i feel like i'm, I'm like finally armed enough to try and go with your joke and I'm just going to say that, you know, what they what they did to send them by the pound is that, you know, they send the signal into the wire and then they just chop the wire off and they roll it up and they put it in a satchel. And then and then they, they send the donkey down to, uh, you know, wherever. Then when they pull the oh. wire out, <laughs> That's yeah, just, it's delivered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then they just connect the wire to to a tin can. And they just listen, and it's like, oh yes, 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 oh, oh, that's that's unfortunate, you know. Uh, I'm very upset about yeah. Oh yes. And did you hear? Edith has the Black Death. Um, <laughs> oh, not again. Yeah, <laughs> twice. <laughs> this time it's I keep in a saying foot. It's, it's it's the Black Mame. It's the <laughs> it's. It's the black make you late for work. It hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't killed anyone in years. Right. Just because your limb falls off doesn't mean that you can't go to your job. You have aluminum foil. You have... It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Just put just, it in just, the cooler. Get to work. Yeah. Who cares? You have, you, have, you have wood. You can build yourself a pirate <laughs> like, leg. Get to just, whittling. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make your <laughs> make the pegs you need. You know, be the peg in your life. Um, be the peg you want to see in the. Yeah, future. exactly. Be the peg you want to see. Um, I choose Peg Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! Oh my God, we're so far off course. Um, so it's, early eighties. Uh, it's almost midnight. It's almost midnight. So so. National You're... thank you Dan Day is almost over. So yeah, I've worry. got I've got four minutes left. <laughs> oh my god! Before Where the hell go are we? Go back to despising my existence. So uh, that's not something we can regularly do. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. A few more uh, minutes, and then you can go back to ignoring. And then we can go back to that. Okay. All right. I'll go All back right. to being insignificant. So in the not too distant future. <laughs> yes. Next Sunday, AD. Um, yes. La la la. <laughs> la la la.
The transcript just says la la la, sir. <laughs> the castle. Ah, we arrive at last. Um, where the hell were we? I talked about Reagan. Reagan uh, explosions. GPS. Yes, explosions. Yes. The, the there's a gajillion satellites yeah. and types right. of satellites now yeah, because yeah. So, it's the 80s and we so, all have giant brick phones that's pretty much it um late 70s early 80s you have uh the rise of the communication satellite en masse um uh nasa is uh putting them on um uh orbiters putting them up in space uh through the 80s also you have the rise of um private industry uh that's able to basically kind of like glean notes from the way that um nasa built the uh the gemini and the mercury and the apollo rockets and they kind of just took the liner notes from that and said hey um uh, american government do you mind if we just like go over here and we'll build uh just like cheapo rockets and their whole purpose will just be to go up into outer space and the the top half will will just be a communication satellite can we do that you know and and the united states basically says is there money in it you know (laughs) (laughs) and and so everybody's getting a piece of the uh the pie there yeah i i've wondered about that so the the small rockets that just deploy satellites do they like rent out dates from cape canaveral or something there's actually a variety of different launch sites around the United States and then uh, by extension around the world. Um, there are, this is okay. So coming back to my job for a minute, uh, one of the neatest things about going to the satellite convention in the DC area every year um, is that if you walk in with a big enough paycheck, you can buy space on a rocket to put whatever satellite you want into that rocket and then rent um a uh a rocket launch pad to put that rocket on that week so wow yeah so if you walk in and you say i'm fred sat and i want to put this communication satellite that is i designed up into outer space and uh, I, I've, I've run it past the various, uh, uh, you know, satellite communication standards agencies. And, uh, you know, it's not going to kill anybody and it's relatively benevolent or uh, benevolent. Um, I'd like to fill out all the proper. Products. Right. I filled out all the proper forms, etc. I, I just now need to put it into a rocket and get it into outer space. Was there this are... a view to a kill? Moonraker. Oh, sorry. Um, one of the one of those James Bond movies from around then was yeah. They put in a satellite and and then there were like five in a row, where it was yeah. We put a satellite up and it has lasers and it's going to destroy. Can I just say while we're talking about reserve it, or the military base or the ocean or whatever. Moonraker is one of my favorite Bond films for obvious reasons. Uh, not only do they have a private fleet of space shuttles, but they also have a space station in outer space. 
and it is all within this James Bond universe of like it's the Roger Moore James Bond universe. So there's yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of kind of shrugging and it's like yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? You know. Of course you can steal of course your satellite can just enclose a rocket with right. pe- with astronauts in it. Yeah, right. obviously. Right, right. Of course yes, your of- Lotus Esperit can turn into a submarine. Why not? Of course Jaws can find love. Come on. Poor Richard Keel. He's trying his best, man. It's, it's Ega and Jaws and that's it. Yeah. Um, Good uh, Keel. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, no, that is a fun one. Yeah, so uh, that's one of the things I think is really neat about going over to uh, the satellite convention is that uh, Arion Space... Um, is there at the convention is there a separate line just for like evil uh, billionaires who like want to destroy the world or yeah shoot lasers at cities or something it's not so much a line as much as like you know you've got the um, uh, nothing but good activity uh, private booths and then you have the nothing but bad activity, <laughs> and and those ones they they you know they put up. How a, do those uh, ones get more funding? <laughs> <laughs> Who's funding these companies? I'm simultaneously glad and mortified that you asked that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, they just they just have um, uh, they just have bad guy music playing around those, uh, those, those areas and you know people show up with like um mink fur coats petting yeah. cats and then they just kind of they they discreetly walk into these dark velvet red robe curtains and then you know when they come out they're 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 like um uh, waving these contracts and cackling malevolently, and you don't quite know what happened, but you know that the the, the music swells each time they do. Um, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I I tried going in there once, and and they they just basically said that uh, they they kind of looked me over and they said, "Not evil enough." I, like, oh. I tried. Um, Peter, how could you invest all of the family's savings into? Defco? <laughs> there were two ladies in silver bikinis. I don't know. It just it happened so fast. <laughs> I mean, they they promised me fame and fortune. I didn't read the fine print. Space. He laser killed a goon right in front of me. Yeah, but the ladies and the uh, and the and the outfits. I mean, I couldn't say no. Anyway, um. <laughs> So, through uh, yeah, so there are uh, a series of launch sites um, in the United States and in the world where you can rent out the launch site, and then similarly you can buy or rent launch vehicles, which are a launch vehicle is simply a dumb rocket with a tractor trailer sized space on the top of it, which is just two clamshell halves that open up, and then the satellite pops out. Um, Wait a minute. Now, what? Rent one? Or you do they come back or, down and then you come retreat back it? down? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because cool. so much of this, because 
the process of putting communication satellites into outer space has become such an industry at this point oh, that these yeah. guys have figured out ways to reuse almost every part of the vehicle, right? So there's either a parachute on every part of the vehicle or they have it set up so that it'll splash land, you know, and this comes all back to the uh, the kind of Euclidean orbital geometry that you see the characters doing in Hidden Figures, where it's like, okay, with this curve, you know, this type of ballistic, you know, it's going to end up in this part of the ocean, et cetera, et cetera. And, and these we guys... use the tail to make soup. Exactly. That's the, the using every part. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. Don't mind the, me, I'm an idiot. The tail fin of the rocket, and then you make rocket fin soup. Um, Thanks, anyway, Dan Day is, is officially over. Thank God. I mean, that's too bad. Um, no, thank Dan. Uh, th- is, no, I don't the day have to. Over. I don't have to. It's, it's over now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Uh, um, 80s. Rise of... Uh, Rise Euclidean, of yeah, we're done with that. From hidden figures, yes. Um, getting, so getting are they splash back so, down? So we have a gajillion satellites in orbit right now. Are yes, they all along the equator? No, uh, oh, okay. and that's that's actually I was going to get to that. Um, so the way it's set up is is this. Um, You've learned about the geostationary orbit. That was the easiest one from a math perspective, and that was also the, the, the easiest one to kind of implement from a rocketry and, and getting there and getting into orbit perspective. Not, not difficult to, to achieve that geostationary orbit, drop a satellite off, and then, and then fly back home. Um, yeah. The one um, where it gets more complex is at the other um, orbital spheres. Um, so we talked about geostationary. Geosynchronous is orbiting the Earth uh, at that same distance, but um, now because you've chosen, um, let's say, you know, maybe with geostationary, you're orbiting at zero longitude. Geosynchronous, maybe you're you're uh, orbiting at like uh, thirty degrees longitude only, or maybe you've decided to set up your geosynchronous orbital belt so that um, maybe it makes its way at an angle around the Earth, right? Oh um, boy, what are that's, you thinking? That's going to result in relative to where you're standing on the Earth, it'll almost look like the satellite's kind of you know making a wavy motion through. Um, through the sky in which case you're going to need a little motor on your satellite dish in order to track it right so that math it's a little bit easy to figure out right i know it's not a little outboard motor but it's still a fun doodle in my head i you're not far from the truth in terms of the design i mean you know you you just need a cheap little you know you know as long as it you know listens to some sort of you know, pointing computer, uh, you know, um, any any sort of motor will do. Um, so you got geostationary, you got geosynchronous. Now the the weird ones and the ones where I'm not even going to try and talk about the math is Leo and Mio. So there's Leo, Mio, and Geo. 
Geo is geostationary and geosynchronous. You're They're the farthest. This up. <laughs> you sound like me when I learned this the first time. Um, Leo and Mio. Exactly. Palizo. Low. That's Earth what orbit. I say to that, ladies and gentlemen. Low Earth orbit and mid Earth orbit. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Geo is just geostationary because it geostationary geosynchronous because it just lined up that way. Um, Mio mid Earth orbit is um, uh, GPS is up there. Uh, there's a handful of international satellites that use Mio. Um, and I can't remember what their rationale behind it is. I just know, I just know that. Um, but Leo is cool, and the reason that Leo is cool is because low Earth orbit is the rise of satellite phones. Um, so oh. I want to take a step back for a second. Let's talk about the '80s. Let's talk about commercial Satcom yeah. and Bell Satcom for a minute. The '80s, you have the rise of commercial Satcom. Um, the the easiest cheapest to crank out and put in outer space satellites during that time uh and the cheaper the satellite is the easier it is to afford the bandwidth were c-band satellites so i was this, thinking the georgia satellites exactly go 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 raging sats um the uh the c-band satellites keep your mind and keep your hands to yourself that's the the Georgia Satellites, the 80s band. Oh, see, I was going for a sports joke, and I was saying, like, you know, the Georgia Raging oh, Satellites. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, because they, yeah. They, 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 the, the Georgia Raging Satellites won 0 and 2 to the uh, Florida Seminole Vesicles. Um, <laughs> God. Sorry, uh, borrowing a joke from Letterkenny there. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, anyway, so the, um, in the 80s, Anytime in movies and in TV, anytime that they showed a, a, a rich family that goes, have you heard? We put in a satellite dish. And they show those ridiculously huge satellite dishes that have like kind of a weird looking wire mesh on them. That's a C-band satellite. So the waves for C-band, the amplitude for them is pretty big. Um, they're usually about one to two foot tall amplitude waves. So you need huge dishes to soak them in. Um, you get into the 90s. Um, this is where that the low Earth orbit constellation of satellites that I was talking about becomes important. Um, yeah. The rise of satellite phones, where in the going into the 90s now, uh, you know, like in True Lies and and like in. Um, uh, American Psycho, Jurassic Park 3. Oh, Dad's got a satellite phone. The satellite phone gets stuck in the uh, the dinosaur. Um, yeah, yeah. All of the satellite phones were using the Iridium constellation. It was one of the first low Earth orbit satellite constellations to be put up. So now we're not talking about a belt. Now we're talking about a sphere of satellites that are all rotating in this very organized mathematical pattern and the iridium model was that any place on the planet would have three iridium satellites above it at any time and um if i remember correctly and i may have this wrong um 
the name for the company, Iridium, uh, was chosen because of the element. The element Iridium has, uh, I think it's like 77 electrons. And because it's got yeah. 77 electrons orbiting around it, um, they wanted to make the satellite constellation 77 satellites. And they wanted to be like really math fancy about it. The further along they got with the model, they realized that they had to do something like 90 to 100 satellites, but they kept the name. Um, so oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I was so, gonna ask you the connection between yeah. Wow, I was like, why do they call it that? Okay, right. So my dad has a satellite phone in you know Clueless and 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 uh, what have you. Um, that's the Iridium constellation that all those characters are talking over. Now Iridium uh, gets awful famous uh, around uh, Desert Storm because the outdated communication satellites that the government is using that are kind of left over from the Cold War just don't cut it. Mm. And they're out in the Middle East, and, and at, at the time, all the commsats were designed to be able to get stuff to or get stuff from Russia. So, you know, all of a sudden, everybody that's running MilSatcom is kind of scratching their head and going, I don't I mean... I don't know, we didn't design the satellite constellation to look at, you know, the Middle East. They, they were our allies, you know. Right, right, um, right. But uh, Iridium was there. Iridium had already finished putting their uh, constellation in orbit. So the generals found out that they could pick up an Iridium satellite phone and, and call somebody else on the other side of the hill uh, faster than they can use the military sats. So uh, Iridium hmm. got a big 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 shot in the vein of money from the government around that period of time um yeah and then the government also went hey that's a really neat idea we're gonna go make our own <laughs> so iridium's yep, still around yep. they they survived off of uh government money which pumped them up um uh the, the government now is developing and and still is in the process of developing uh, military analogs to the iridium constellation but iridium still kind of leads technologically um hey uh hey aaron yeah do you want a topical joke i want a topical joke give it to me it's shoot got it a, right into my veins it's got a topical reference yeah you know who could have used some of that government money to stay in business for a while who's that quibby This has been a topical reference. Hey, Dan. Yeah? You know how long Quibi lasted? How long? Oh, just about a Quibi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Ho, um, ho, ho. Uh, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Into the 2000s. Um, Moore's Law, the concept of, uh, um, essentially the concept of being able to shrink technology relative to the, uh, um, the, the hardware shrinks at the same speed that you're able to, you know, kind of meet and break mathematical principles, make it smaller, faster, better. Um, right, just like Dudley in, Moore, famously exactly. short guy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he did, um, after he, he finished doing... Um, um, oh, the Jesus. Arthur movies. Yeah, Arthur. Santa right. Claus the movie. Yeah, he did. He did Arthur. 
and then they shrunk him down and they had him just run run circles around printed circuit boards and and it's his uh tron style as a matter of fact they, they use the tron technology to do that <laughs> yeah. and it, it was his uh the, his, the famous documentary tron yeah yeah it was his it was his groundbreaking research as a a tron user that resulted in us being able to shrink technology down many thanks yeah. to dudley moore and his eternal sacrifice. He's still out there somewhere. Yeah, he a didn't die. Of, yeah. He just he's so small now that you can't right. see him. Right. When 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 your phone dies in the middle of a podcast, that's Dudley Moore that's telling Dudley you it's Moore. time to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. I think it's time for bed. Yeah. <laughs> Expert imitation. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take my. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my Oscar for that one, man. <laughs> your your so, potty uh, award is is in the mail. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, my just, Razzie. Just uh, until you get it, just stand outside your front door and yell, "I want my potty." <laughs> and, I want my and potty. eventually, someone will will take care of you. I would also like my MTV, please. Um, so, yeah, uh, the satellites get smaller through the 2000s. Uh, the satellite technology gets smaller as well. Um, nine, parallel to all of this through the 90s, we begin to shift from C-band up to uh, KU-band, which is a, a smaller uh, bandwidth. Uh, it's a higher frequency. It's a much higher frequency so um, the bandwidth begins to get smaller, and as a result, the size of the waves, the amplitude of the waves that's necessary gets smaller as well. So the technology yeah. is shrinking, the dishes are shrinking, uh, the, the wave guide equipment that needs to be placed on the dishes is shrinking. Um, we, we now, as, as a result of uh, you know, uh, the, the, t the expansion of the speed of technology changing, through the 2000s into the 2010s, the the world <clears throat> is basically able to now buy these um, round about a thousand to two thousand dollar stand it up and soak it down uh, two way satellite uh, internet kits. As a matter of fact, a company I used to work for um, prided themselves in selling basically uh, what they would call. Um, uh, satellite internet on the back of a truck where they would sell you basically a a giant uh, truck crate uh, worth of equipment and you could stand up enough uh, satellite dishes, modems and, and networking equipment to rig up a small campus on the other side of the world uh, provided that you were under the satellite beam you wanted to soak data down from. But that becomes, that becomes and more And that possible. company was Spencer's Gifts. It was it was and and inside every shipping container were like which was shaped like a dong yeah were like 400 dildos and you know uh holy moly grandma's turning 40 birthday cards and <laughs> yeah, a you lot could, of you could send any sort of information on the satellite as long as it had big jugs as long as it had big jugs and had <laughs> insane clown posse black light you know translucent imagery you know 420 ganja smoke it you know it's just it, it, the the modems themselves were actually packaged why did in, you work there so long? Sending I, I, these I, terrible satellites. Just good benefits, really. I mean, you know, 
and, free and, black and, ones. Just in a great 401k. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, great 420k, if you know what I mean. <laughs> K for kilos. Um, so, yeah, uh, 2000s to 2010, we're now getting even smaller. Uh, now we can do KA band. The frequencies get much smaller. The amplitude of the signals get smaller. The dishes, as a result, also get smaller. Now, now you're getting to where the design of these antennas... And this is the thing that just, this blew me away recently when I was at one of the satellite conventions. We're getting to the point where these folks have realized that because you can put the processing technology for signals into an iPhone, you and because the signals themselves don't have to be that big anymore, because the frequencies are so high, you can essentially build... Um, satellite uh satellite modem enabled computers where you can literally just hold the computer like an ipad above your head and uh, as long as you're under the right beam your hands just became your hands and arms just became the gimbal arm for the antenna and you can just like kind of look up in the direction of the sky where the satellite is and as long as that satellite beam is covering the general area where you are and you've got your your iPad that has an antenna on the other side of it, you can watch TV or what have you. It, it's it's really cool. a different world. Yeah. I mean, you got to. And, and so, like, the cool comparative metric here is you look at, like, Beetlejuice, Pee Wee Herman uh, or Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, where, you know, the, all the jokes in that era of of movies are you know look at the ridiculous satellite dish that we've got we have cable right and yeah, now yeah, you yeah. think about and now by contrast if you put a little um they're called um mesh antennas uh on the back of an ipad you can hold the thing up in the sky and you just became a satellite receiver uh, yeah. I, that blows my mind i just think that's amazing that's really uh, cool yeah and so, yeah. Uh, if Jim Carrey fell on that at the end of The Cable Guy, probably would have died. Well, I mean, yeah, you know. That's what I, we're talking about, right? That's The, the Cable that's Guy what with Jim for. Carrey. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. No. It's <laughs> so that's how big the, okay, so the receivers are like super small and easy now. What about the satellites themselves? They've they've been getting smaller and smaller you said are we like are we talking like baseball beach ball <laughs> no uh, no truck um, yeah uh, so the apartment. satellites the satellites vary in size and shape based on their need they actually haven't shrunk the receivers have shrunk oh. because oh, the, okay. the receivers have to you know smaller smaller receiver smaller footprint on the planet earth less money spent on the you know how much space you're going to devote to your receiver yeah, but unless they don't because, eat as much. You're right, but because well, that's that's also true. The great diet plan uh, on on the satellite receivers, um, the satellites themselves um, benefit from ostrich syndrome, where because you can't see them, nobody really cares. So they could be the they've they've all satellites themselves have roughly stayed around the size of Wait, kind of what? like a car. Hang on. Yeah. Ostr 
how is that called ostrich syndrome? You can see an ostrich. Did you make that up, or is this a standard term? Uh, th- no, that like, like the ostrich syndrome, like like when the ostrich, if the ostrich, uh, like if you can't see it, it isn't oh, there. Oh, right? oh, I was like thinking this. The I was thinking the satellite was the ostrich. We're the ostrich. We're the ostrich. We, we can't okay, see the satellite, it so it's, it it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. I was thinking like, well, it puts its head in the ground and then you can't see it. So I'm terribly I'm like, sorry. Wait a minute. No, no, other way around. We're, we're, <laughs> that ain't right. Right. We're, we're the it. ostrich, but yeah, instead of it being under the dirt, it's above the atmosphere. So we don't Hey, care. Aaron. Hey, what? Now it's your turn to be right. <laughs> November 12th is Thank Aaron Day. It's Aaron's technically right day. Everybody celebrate. It's Aaron's technically right day. Come sing out through the air conditioner gate. It's Aaron's technically right day. And I don't know where I'm going with this song. So I'll just stop right now before I eat a cow. And this will be ending right now, not for long. The end! Um... (laughs) <laughs> almost lost it at the end there almost well, lost you, it. you nailed it and i brought it home i don't um, think anyone will notice it was perfect yeah thank you i appreciate it um the, were you in the groundlings did uh, you go to second city <laughs> i did a little bit of improv while i was in indiana i'm embarrassed to say um uh, that's all right. maybe not a hundred percent embarrassed uh um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, oh, yeah. So the last bit that I was going to uh, mention, because the thing I love doing when I talk about this stuff is I, I love making it accessible to folks. Um, uh, there are satellite hobbyists out there. Um, they are uh, just, you know, this comes back to that same thing that I always say in, in virtually every technically oriented like Arama that we do where I love nerds. I, I absolutely oh, the best. just love them. And the biggest thing that I love about them is that anytime that you think that you're a little bit of a nerd about something, another nerd comes along and has just like a volume, an, an encyclopedia volume of, of more nerdery about the thing that you're fascinated about and you express interest and they come out of the woodwork like, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you, you learn and you just learn and you digest. And it, it's just so, it's so wonderful when, yeah. when, when, when nerds are there to provide awesome information, uh, nerds make the world go round. Um, the best kind of people. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite, uh, pages out there on the internet, because it allows me to do my job <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> Gunther's space page. Um, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Let me see if he's still got it going here. Gunther's space page. Yep, it's still running. Yep, Gunther's space page. Yep. Oh. It's a Gunther's with a T. It's not T-H. Oh, okay. It had a pop-up window for a second. Yeah, I don't know what that pop-up window is about. That was. It weird. just said the number one. Yeah, I saw that too. I don't know. 
don't know. Uh, I'm on a list somewhere now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're now on a federal monitoring list for what the hell ever. Yeah. Um. So Gunter's space page. So Gunter tracks oh. the launch of rockets. And cool. Yeah, he's a he's an amateur hobbyist that just uh, tracks uh, launch ID, the yeah. date, what's yep. in the payload, what yep. kind of rocket it is, mm-hmm. where it's taking off from. Yep. And I this think is you, cool. Yeah, and if you click on each one, it'll also kind of talk about whether there's multiple stages, whether there's multiple satellites in the launch payload, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so neat. And then the the, the neatest thing about it Thanks, is that Thanks, Gunter. Yeah, you can use it to wherever you are in the world, uh, you can figure out if there's a a uh, um a spaceport nearby. And you can use your binoculars and, and see if you see something launching. Um, this is cool. This is as a matter of fact, yeah. just just the up Lemur the road, two satellite. Yeah, is and then weird looking. That. Looks like a rectangular moth. And you got let's see here. You got Ceres, Falcon Nine. Um, yeah. So another thing that's really cool. Some of these some of these uh, these rockets now are um spacex rockets like uh, elon musk's uh, SpaceX. yeah rocket. yeah because they they're in the rocket business now and it's it's no longer a thing of like elon musk is crazy guy that that you know does things like puts uh you know cars in outer space it's like before he was doing that he just got into the rocket business and and it's just been it's been part of what's provided him with the funding to do crazy stuff like um, yeah 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 so SpaceX rockets, you'll see SpaceX rockets on there. You'll see, uh, here's a, a good shutter for you. You'll see Skynet rockets on there. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah, because someone out there That's was like, terrible... hey, you know what we should name our, <laughs> our rocket? <laughs> Let's see. What's something with the least possible negative connotation? <laughs> Skynet. Let's do How about it. Doomsday. No. Yeah. <laughs> Pestilence? No, I don't like yeah. that. How That's, about Death yeah. Star? Nah. <laughs> of course, you got that one guy back in the corner that's like, Death Star. Oh, I kind of like that I one. I like Death Star. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, they already know that it's a space station. This yeah, is exactly. good. This is good stuff. Yeah. Um, so you got Gunter's space page. Um, ham, ham radio allows folks to uh, communicate. Order with, ham. We know. Yep, yep, exactly. You get on your ham radio, you say, I'd like some more ham! <laughs> You'd say, two, please, and then two hams show up. <laughs> to, your, to your GPS coordinates. I want some ham! Somebody shows up. With the, the You know what, they actually, they come down from space. That's why they designed the, 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 the ham It looks like the great gazoo. System. Yeah. <laughs> The great kazoo floating down. Here's your. <laughs> I brought you ham in your time of trouble. <laughs> did you? Hey, did you listen to the uh, the last episode, the Buster Keaton episode? I have no. I haven't gotten a chance to go back and listen to it yet. I found I found that clip where uh the guys get all excited about ham it's a it's about 30 maybe 45 seconds of just okay. like four guys oh, oh ham wow ham hey ham i gotta fight all right 
that's in the that's in the Buster Keaton episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna go listen to that after this. Oh, yeah, right. it's it's I don't know, like two thirds of the way in or something. <sighs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Hello, ham radio. I hey. want some ham. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, hello, ham operator. <laughs> Spiral slice, please. Thank want, you. Want some ham? <laughs> Somebody at the the yeah yeah uh, the ham operator station somewhere <laughs> in uh, the uh, ham switchboard. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're the, the pulling ham... it's they're pulling clothes in and out of the little holes. Yeah. Meanwhile, at the ham switchboard on the Florida Peninsula, we need ham. <laughs> <laughs> Good God Almighty! Everybody wants ham. I need ham, stat. No, yeah. sat. No, I said stat. <laughs> Somebody get the honey baked people on the line. What is their problem? <laughs> oh god, yeah. Uh, in 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 worst case scenarios, they they just uh, they just uh, um, they they just drop the hams on your house, uh, <laughs> left and right from space. Yeah, from space. And and that way the ham is still frozen because it is it, it went through you know space so it's zero degrees Kelvin before it hits the ground. Yeah, it's uh, the outside is burnt up from the right. atmosphere from reentry, right. but the but inside the nice thing, don't worry. The nice thing, here's the it's nice still thing, hard as a rock. They, when <laughs> they launch them, when they launch them, they 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 uh, coat them in brown sugar so that by the time that the the get <laughs> some maple on, glaze dan, dan, on the way yeah, so that the ham meteorite um, <laughs> arrives on the surface i thought ham meteorite was pretty That's good, good right? like it's it. a portmanteau like, you know i'm for um, it yeah i'm for it um <laughs> when it arrives on the planet's surface uh you know all of the um the brown sugar has been kind of burnt off leaving a nice glazed ham in your um Iowa backyard, right next to Kal-El spacecraft. And, you know, you pull <laughs> but Iowa out. will do. That's what I meant to say, of course. Um, the, uh, and then, and, and as the little flakes of it, right, uh, flake off in, in reentry, it leaves, it leaves a nice brown streak in the sky, as if, exactly, as if the universe left a skid mark on right, the, right. and everybody kind of points up at the brown streak in, in the sky and goes well there it goes martha somebody else ordered a ham <sighs> looks like it landed over at gustafson's place right right let's go meanwhile, check her out meanwhile out on the genesis planet jim kirk is like my god bones what have i done <laughs> bones looks back at him and goes what you had to do what you always do Order a honey baked ham. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God, it's, a, it's full of hams. It's a very specific Star Trek reference there. Um. Uh. Anyway, yeah. Um. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. What? My God, it's full of hams. <laughs> That's an Arthur C. Clarke recipe. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh. <sighs> I'm cutting out circle. the last 20 minutes. No, that was perfect. Let's yeah, yeah, there. yeah. We're back to Arthur C. Clarke. <laughs> that's great. I had some other, I had some other material, but that's perfect. It brings it full circle. Oh, I love it. That's wonderful. You know what else is full circle? <laughs> the equator. That? That's true. And that's the, true. Uh, that was good. And the geo stationary orbit. Yeah. 
otherwise known as the Clark Geo. Belt. Oh yeah, yeah. the Clark Belt. Also otherwise known as Geo. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So so is that the most recent belt after uh, after David Asteroid got his belt named after him? Yeah, you know, and then and then there's uh, uh, there's there's um, uh, the the Norris belt, you know, named after uh, Chuck Norris. Uh, every time that he pulls his his, his belt out to uh, whip bad guys in in Walker Texas Ranger, they you know the frequency with which he did that, um, you know, they decided that uh, they needed to name an ast- a, a, a a belt after him. Um, there, there's also, um, <laughs> if you get far enough out outside of a geostationary orbit, um, you hit um, the Pootie Belt, uh, named it's after Pootie Tang. Tang. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then there's the WWF Championship Belt. Right, right. Now, that belt... It's much wider than most yeah, belts. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, it, it's much harder to get past that belt because um, it, it smells what you're cooking when you approach and uh so you know that 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 makes um leaving (laughs) leaving uh earth's orbit much more difficult very um yeah very hard yeah (laughs) i've run out of shit to say (laughs) i've decided that i hate us (laughs) i've decided that this is one of the most fun episodes i've done so far (laughs) and that i hate us (laughs) It's yeah. This it gets the uh, the the zenith and the nadir of of our uh, in, intelligence. Yeah, yeah. It does. It gets it gets the zenith and the nandor. Uh, zenith our, and zenith. Yeah. From San yeah. Bernardinus. Yeah. A creepy paper. Yes. Let's use the creepy paper. <laughs> Oh, 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 I got. I was yeah. You said the, Nandor. The, the I got the Zenith and the Nandor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Good show. I love that yeah. show. Anyway. Fantastic show. So, uh, man, that's a lot of information about satellites. See, is there? You said there's more. Nah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I could go for longer, but, but that's that's. I mean, that's a pretty good place to end it. I'll tell you what. I'll do one more neat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. About satellites, and then and then we'll we'll cut it off. Um, okay. All right. So one of the neatest concepts that I had to learn about midway through my my satellite career, and I've um, I've never had to grapple with it. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll do two stories. I'll do two <laughs> okay. cool stories. All right. One story is going to be about inclined orbits, and the other story is going to be about... Um, the time that you hit the glass uh, orb that separates the different planets. Yeah. I've read right. my medieval astronomy. I know. Right, right, right. Exactly. When I hit the galactic barrier uh, in the Enterprise, and I was thrown back by a giant invisible hand. Um, so, um, there's this... Uh, <laughs> There was this click box in the software that I used to run when I was doing uh, uh, satellite network configuration that for a long time I didn't know what it was, what it meant. And the button was inclined orbit, question mark, yes or no. And I just never clicked it. And at some point 
around when I was leaving um, the company I used to work for and I switched over to a government contractor, um, the guy that was hiring me, uh, shout out to Scott McGregor if he's listening, um, the guy that was hiring me, um, he... He was like, I'm going to ask you some easy questions uh, as part of your interview, and then I'm going to give you a, a satellite engineer question. I want to see how you're going to handle it. And I, I kind of I rolled through the easy questions, um, and then we got to the, 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 trouble, the, the hard scenario, and he outlined this hard scenario to me, and um, he said, I've got an antenna. The antenna's on uh, a gimbal. The gimbal's got a computer driving it, and um, this 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 they call them a terminal. When you put it, uh, an antenna, a gimbal, a computer, and the receiver that's soaking the data down. When you put all of that together, they call it a terminal. Okay. Uh, and he says, "I got a terminal that's um, watching for the signal, and here's what the signal looks like if I draw it on a graph." And he kind of he sent me a a, a text picture of basically kind of a, uh, almost looked like a sine wave, a U up and down, up and down, up and down. You want okay. your, your satellite signal normally, you want it to always be at a set carrier power, right? Because once you've got, once, once you've got your power at a certain power level, then you just leave your terminal the way that it is so you, you want it to be you, a straight line. You want it to be not a straight a sine line. Wave. You want it to be a straight line, not a sine wave. Exactly. Okay. Because if it's a straight line, then you can kind of set the rest of your technology after the terminal based on the fact that you have a straight line, steady power coming in, arriving in that steady signal arriving coming in. You can go get your your cable TV, your CNN, whatever. Yeah. That was not happening. Um uh, uh, with this one terminal. And um, so he said, what do you, you think is going on here? And I said, okay, well, um, you said it's a terminal. You said it's got a gimbal arm inside with a computer is motorized. It can track the satellite. Um, what? Uh, he said, yeah, that's right. I said, um, is it possible that the math for tracking the satellite is off? And he says, you're, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Keep going. I said, all right. Uh, is it an inclined orbit satellite? He said, you're getting warmer. And let me, and I'm going to take a deviation for a second. I'm going to explain an inclined orbit satellite real quick. So this is kind of a breakout box into inclined orbit satellites. An inclined orbit satellite is a satellite that's near the end of its operational life. Oh. So when you put a satellite up into outer space, for about the first 20 years, it's got enough fuel inside of it to use the little stabilization thrusters to keep the satellite in a very tight bounding box. We're talking about 10 to 20 feet difference. Once a satellite reaches near the end of its uh, operational life, it's starting to run out of fuel. They, you, nobody goes up and, you know, you don't refill the satellite. So the satellite uh, that's running out of fuel gets changed to what's called an inclined orbit satellite. And you can sell the bandwidth on an inclined satellite, inclined orbit satellite, for cheap. So because it's on the way out, and inclined orbit, so it's eventually going to go away from the Earth. It's it's eventually going to fall out of its orbit. 
there's towards not the enough earth. fuel yeah either towards the earth or yeah mostly towards the earth because okay. yeah it's just going to get pulled back down into our orbit uh gravitational pull okay um, yeah 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 but less less fuel on board running out of running out of fuel it can do less course corrections so it's bounding box the space that it floats through in outer space gets wider and its its orbit its internal orbit within that bounding box gets lazier mm, so right be, because of because the earth is not a perfect circle the math yet <laughs> just give us time um the math on uh using thrusters results in the most minimal amount of thruster power that needs to be used in order to keep a satellite inside of its bounding box is to give it a little push uh it, it basically you end up with these little pushes that draw an approximate figure eight and that figure eight stays very tight for about 20 years then at about the 20 to 30 year point as you're starting to run out of fuel you say i don't want to pay for this satellite anymore it's an inclined orbit satellite let's sell running an operation of this satellite to somebody else to, to somebody that can afford it we'll 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 mark all of the use and the bandwidth of this satellite down will make it cheaper we'll sell it to somebody else somebody else buys it they put out uh, uh, a message to all of their operators they say hey we bought this satellite it's an inclined orbit satellite we're getting bandwidth for the cheap but oh by the way you got to go out and you got to buy yourself a gimbal arm to put on your antenna now your antenna is not going to be able to just sit there and just soak in the data. Your, your antenna is now going to have to track the lazy figure eight that this satellite is floating through. So coming back to the the problem that this guy gave me, yeah, I said, is it an inclined orbit satellite? He said, yeah, it's an inclined orbit satellite. I said, have you turned on an inclined, have you turned on inclined orbit at the terminal? The guy says, yeah, I turned on inclined orbit at the terminal. And I said, all right, well, I'm running out of, I'm running out of, things to squash here what's the issue and he says you sure you don't want to take any more cracks at it and i sat there and i'm running the figure eights in my head and i'm thinking about the gimbal on the on the receiver on the terminal and i'm thinking about this uh, lazy orbit satellite up in outer space floating through its loose figure eight orbit and i started to approach the answer and I started to kind of mutter to him. I remember this day like it was yesterday. I, I started to mutter to him, is it because the terminal is not keeping up with the satellite? And he's like, you're almost there. And then he finally explained it out. He said it was a combination of the fact that the, the math was wrong. On how the terminal was tracking the inclined orbit satellite, okay, and the math, the math at the terminal was wrong on how fast the the terminal needed to move to track the satellite, and the math on the satellite operator side was wrong in terms of how much gas was being used to keep the satellite in an inclined orbit. Oh, so the problem. The further that this guy did his research into this problem, because everybody's pointing fingers at each other at all ends of 
you know, the, this this entire engineering community. They said, oh, it's 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 your fault with the terminal. No, it couldn't possibly our fault. be our fault with the terminal. It must be the guys running the satellite. No, it's not the guys running the satellite. Are you kidding? We've been running this thing for 30 years. We know what we're doing. Huh. It was it was a math error on both ends. Uh -huh. And 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 it, it took this dude who who was my boss for uh, several years to be the one that kind of stood up in the middle and, and go, hey, uh, I, I know my orbital geometry here. And uh, I think you guys got this fucked up on both sides. So um, said, that's hey, my little story about inclined orbit. I thought that both was... fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that boss's name was Agatha Christie. Exactly. It was the perfect crime. Dun dun. Yeah, a Dick Wolf production. Um, Excuse you, <laughs> executive producer Dick Wolf. Oh, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yes, yes. The audacity of that man to write Gross. true crime dramas. Um, How dare you? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see here. You want me to do one more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said All there right. were two, so that was yeah. one. That was one. So I'll do Bandwidth Wars. Um, Bandwidth Wars is pretty neat. Um, back in the 80s, everybody's putting satellites up as fast as they can. Um, the, the satellites themselves have um, transponders on them, which is basically a little bit of circuitry designed to only soak in a portion of the electromagnetic spectrum. It'll uh, The transponders are designed to by circuit board and mathematics limitation, only chunk, uh, soak in a certain chunk of the frequency range. And it just, it limits overheating on the satellite. It okay. limits the uh, amount of resources that have to be expended to process the signal from one end of the satellite, from the soak inside to the spit outside. Yeah. Um, so these guys the, the the satellite installer operators are going out hard and heavy back in the 80s they're getting these things up in the sky as fast as they can um the agreements as to who uses what chunk of satellite are there they're written in paper they're uh you know um the the, the agreements Classic are all contract mistake it, well <laughs> supposed to be gold foil Exactly, exactly. And then ironclad and then, you know, goes through like some level of, you know, two factor yeah. authentication. But Iron no, it was the roaring 80s. Wrapped so. in gold foil. Right. With a, yeah, with a, a, a lock on it. And you bring out, bring in a wizard to, you know, do an incantation. And anyway, um, you see a little bit of this in the um, working in business dramas and comedies of the 80s yeah. where you'll hear the characters in in 80s era comedies or dramas go you know uh if you've got the 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 news the newscaster character going you know uh i'm i'm ready you know we're ready to go on air and and you got the the guy with the backwards turned ball cap in the news van that goes you know i can't get signal and 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 you get the call from Earl, the guy that runs the, the, the cable television signal uh, station, he says, boost the signal. I don't care what happens. Boost the signal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was a very real thing. And then, and then because a, it's an 80s comedy, uh, a woman takes her breasts out for, for no reason. 
Right, and then and then for some reason Leslie Nielsen's there. He's just and, there. And, and the en- and, and the entire cast and crew is on coke. Right, right, right. And and it ends with the Chicago Bears doing a musical number. Um, <laughs> so um, that was a real thing. Uh, what was happening was that the satellites, the, the the communication satellites, were were getting filled up like crazy with. Um, uh, signals uh, sometimes faster than the contracts could be processed and people could be informed because back during that period of time the only thing that the satellites were being used for it was to get television signals from one location to another okay. nobody was really using them I mean you could send a fax or something like that over the satellite yeah. but but nobody was really using them for like satellite internet which is which which includes kind of the meta of what we can do now where it's like text and and send you know facebook messages or whatever right so the speed at which contracts were being signed to give away chunks of bandwidth on the satellites was slower than the speed at which major minor military what have you cable uh, news and and cable signal organizations were populating the satellites. Oh, so, okay, okay. So you'd end up with oh um, no, see so you got yeah, people doubling up. Exactly, doubling up, tripling and you got up. The too yeah. many people in the phone booth. Right, thing. exactly. Yeah, it's the huh. it's the electromagnetic spectrum equivalent of too many people in the phone booth, and so. I had this I had this 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 guy that I, I worked with who uh, good guy he was he was fun to get stories from later he turned out to be an amazing fucking racist um, hey but, yeah but he was a very fascinating guy to learn stuff from he, he he had he knew some awesome history he was part of it he kind of lived this era um so it was really neat kind of soaking down stories from him um he uh. He talks I knew a about, guy like that who uh, his uncle beat up Fra- uh, Frank Sinatra. Is that serious? Really? Yeah, a guy I That's worked awesome. with at a grocery store. Uh, That's his, cool. His uncle well. beat up Frank Sinatra like in the thirties. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> this. This comes back to another meta thing that you and I have talked about a lot, where it's like there are some fascinating people out there that are part of our past that it was really interesting knowing them and and you know kind of gleaning and soaking lore from them. But it's like, you know, the moment that you find out that they're racist or sexist and they it's open like, their mouth. Oh, wrong, right. Like, You're yep. from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to kind of like shut that down mentally. Anyway, but but anyway. his stories were fantastic. And he's he had these great stories about he was working a cable van at the time. And um, he would uh, he'd be trying to get a, a broadcast up from, you know, roving reporter. Uh, you know, they drive the van out. They do their story. The story was urgent. They had to get the story over the air back to um, back to headquarters, or in some cases, um, back to the national office in New York. And they'd have to do it over satellite, right? They had the big dish on the van. Yeah. He'd get everything lined up. He'd get it set it and ready to go. Um, he'd turn on the the monitor. Uh, it's called a, a spectrum analyzer. He, he'd turn on the, the the monitor to to look at what was arriving at at that dish uh at that satellite dish on that van right and and he'd say oh my 
God, there's a giant signal right on top of us. There's no way that we're going to be able to use the bandwidth that we paid for that's here in this flimsy paper contract that I have sitting right next to my operator station. That's the point where they place a, a terrestrial by phone line, phone call back to either their boss or to the headquarters, the office in New York or wherever, and you'd get that, you'd get that order. Oh, I don't care how it goes out. Just make sure it goes out. Figure it out on your own. And, and so you got these satellite operators sitting in vans looking at the monitor going, okay, well, there's this giant monster of a signal that's occupying a whole bunch of megahertz here, but up the range, there's nothing. So I'm going to just broadcast here. So, right, for the most part, you do that, you get your signal out, you, you wait the 30 minutes it takes for you to send your signal, you close up the van and leave. Sometimes, you're midway through the process of sending your signal, when another giant beam pops up on the monitor in the same location that you just decided to send your little tiny broadcast out on, right? Yeah. Now, <laughs> now you have two giant beams on either side of the location in frequency that you were told was yours based on a flimsy paper contract that somebody in accounting signed two weeks ago and it got faxed to your local office. Now you have to get that signal out and you don't give a damn about whether you knock out these two beasts. Yeah. So you crank the power on your little tiny modem and your little tiny cable band, in your little tiny cable van, sorry, and you increase your signal. So now your signal is double the, the amplitude, double the height of these big monsters. And you have gotten your signal out. However, CNN <laughs> or, or, or NBC Nightly News or what have you just had their transmission completely interrupted by the fact that you decided to blow right past them at oh, double the boy. signal strength. And so Dan Rather <laughs> comes in to Podunk, Illinois, just completely garbled and static for about 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden the signal clears up. And, you know, huh. Ed, Ed and Judy sitting there looking out at their satellite dish are going, what the hell? I thought we paid for cable, you know, <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's not them. It's not the weather. Huh. It's it's you and your cable van needed to get that fucking signal out. You, it was time to get that broadcast out. You needed to get the news out that the hurricane's on its way and you were not going to leave the van there. So might as well just double the amplitude, get the signal out and get the hell out of Dodge. And that is the bandwidth wars. And that shit happened for decades. That was that was 80s into like mid to late 90s until the the um, the International Telecom Union, along with the FCC in the United States, started coming up with they, they, they started getting smart about not only what the fines were, but how to find people that were making violations like that they got smart about it you yeah. know signal triangulation stuff like that but before that during the 80s i mean that's why you know you go back to the concept of you know oh my, my buddy's got cable uh i could just run a line from his house uh that was it that was a wild wide open world because the, the none of the signals were encrypted um right there there was not a lot of 
lockdown on the way the data arrived it was just um they they got the video broadcast into a wave and they sent the wave through outer space and the wave as the video broadcast arrived back at your house and so if you decided to uh go out to radio shack and buy a splitter and put it into the uh, path between your tv and the satellite dish you had out in the backyard and run it over to joe bob's house there was nothing stopping you right yeah there's uh the, so yeah bandwidth wars are super neat and and hearing that from somebody who is a uh who was part of that uh that was pretty groovy uh yeah and he, yeah he talked about how um he got chewed out by um he, he got brought into a room and got chewed out by uh national geographic and a uh like a a bunch of folks from national geographic <laughs> when that national were, geographic choose you out they yeah they bring the big guns they yeah they yeah. bring the wolverines and the jackals right. and the hyenas yeah it was just it was it was just like uh three dudes uh dressed like steve Irwin. they they walked in with just like this crate of yeah. various and sundry <laughs> uh predatory fauna and they just dumped the crate and yeah. they're like you know this is what you get for cutting off our broadcast this is what we were talking about <laughs> now you talk about them in this room you know <laughs> you talk yeah. about them yeah a lot of great broadcasters lost their lives to national geographic during the 80s that, that's why they all sit behind desks and say they were forced to wear uh olive colored cargo shorts for the rest of their lives exactly, exactly. as repayment to the net geo folks right 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 horrible and yeah there's a i mean great senseless violence bloody war between the national geographic <laughs> folks and the cable broadcasters organization yes it's right up there with the math Mathematicians, the mathematicians and the, and the meteorologists, meteorologists war yeah 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 a what? senseless war and that yet, no one remembers <laughs> and yet do they teach it in schools no <laughs> You don't hear any of this in the so-called history class. Oh, history. hashtag teach the controversy. More like his story, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, God. That's fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, man. That, that's, that's it. That's, you can't get any better than that. That's a perfect right. ending right there. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, thank you for the in-depth lesson on second. That was fascinating stuff. I Thanks. actually learned a thing or five. Thanks. This is Thanks. awesome. I, I, I love, I love the, I love the subject matter. Yeah. I love, I love the, the world of it. I love working in it. Um, my favorite thing about it is that, every job i've been at in my satcom career there is a new chunk of it that i am eager and excited and desiring to learn and i admittedly i you know i'm, I'm gonna be honest i i'm i'm a little no, guilty don't do of, that don't be no we no. don't we don't care for honesty okay um I, I'll, I'll lie then um uh i invented satcom <laughs> uh, it wasn't it wasn't Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, 
Uh, this is me and me and my basement uh, about ten years ago. Um, I was the one. I put all the satellites up there. I took yes. my radio flyer rocket. I found a big hill. I got a lot of fireworks. You can thank me. They're all up there because of me. You know, when well, when you call somebody on your cell phone, um, it goes through I your house. Possible. It's true. You have a big switchboard. Yeah, I'm taking a lot of time away from, you know, handling the nations and the world's uh, messages right now. So you know, I was wondering why YouTube was down this evening. My God, uh, I, I got to let you get back to work. I, I'm sorry. You got to poop sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, know. I don't, but yes, <laughs> people do. I understand. Yes. The, yeah. I immaculate, understand the concept. Immaculate pooception. Um, yes. No, what I was going to say is just, you know, there there are so many corners of the world of satellite communication. And each time that I've 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 switched companies for whatever reasons, I've I've been afforded the opportunity to learn a, a new corner of it. There's there's one piece that I still want to lock down that I started to peel the onion back on it a little bit at one of the previous jobs I was at. But, but after I peeled the onion back on it, I was just fascinated by it. And I so cannot wait to get back to it at some point. And I, I just, I need a reason to do it. Um, either that or I need to pick it up as a hobby and, and, and have enough space to do it as a hobby without uh, overtaking the entire house with it. But um, murder. It's the concept. Yes, it's murder. I'd love to get away with murder. No, that's not true. Shut up. Um, <laughs> it's, the, it's the concept of uh, G over T. Uh, gain over temperature, uh, which is this, basically it's a metric of how much signal you're receiving based on the ambient heat of the satellite dish itself and the heat of the atmosphere and of the earth around you. And it's oh. such a wild concept because it sits next to the relatively easy concept of signal to noise ratio, where if you have uh, so much signal, you can get your signal above the noise floor, which is somewhat straightforward. And you sure. can kind of develop an understanding of how that works. But gain over noise temperature is this complex uh, uh, kind of Venn diagram overlap of physics and 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 engineering and math and science all in the same bucket, and they all have an effect on the way that the satellite dish works. And I was able to study a little bit of it, and I was able to wrap my head around what the math looks like for it. And it's so cool. Hmm. And so at some point in my life, I want to be able to come back to and I want to I want to get paid to and have a reason to do G over T calculations. The concept of uh, because it's 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 just amazing to me. It's uh, this this will totally make sense when I say it. But when you think about it um, from a signal perspective, it's just mind blowing, in my opinion. If you point a satellite dish at the sun, you can watch on, a, on one of those monitors, on one of those spectrum analyzers, you can watch your signal to noise ratio. You can watch your noise floor raise. There is no signal. 
You just watch the noise floor raise. Mm. Why does the noise floor raise when you point the satellite dish at the sun? Because the sun emits all forms of radiation. Right. Not just visual radiation. The sun is shitting out all forms of radiation. Yes. Up to the EM satellite frequency ranges. And then, and this one, I love this one. I've never had an opportunity to do it, but I learned the math behind it. If it's at night and you have a full moon and you point your satellite at the moon, you see, uh, I, I think it's like uh, the law is like um, 10 to 15 dB lower. You see the same noise floor and you'll see it in the same pattern oh. because you're seeing all, all of that, that radiation getting bounced off, off the, the moon. moon. Yeah. It's so wild. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so neat. It's so neat. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah. And it's, so that's, that's one that like, that's on the 10 year plan is at some point I would love to circle back around to, uh, a, a career universe where it's important for me to know that stuff. I'm loving what I'm doing right now, but peeling the onion on this, on, 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 on how this stuff works it's just amazing. It really is. And every time that I think that I've learned everything that I need to know in order to be dangerous uh, huh? about one of these subjects, uh, somebody comes along who's like, well, what about this? And then all of a sudden I get to learn even more. I love it. Yay. So, yeah. yeah. Bottomless pit of stimulation. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, th that's, that's more than enough. <laughs> Speaking of things that James Bond villains have. Yes. Um. Anyway. Alright. So I is that your outgoing music? Yeah, that's my outgoing music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's just do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the end. <laughs>